Hello horse lovers and welcome to this next episode where we're going to talk a little bit about bridleless riding and what my thoughts are about that and of course also some training tips and um, things to think about if you're already kind of practicing riding bridleless or if you would love to learn how to do it and it is something that you are practicing to do when to take the bridle off and stuff like that so first I would like to talk about what actually you know different variations of bridleless riding so we've got riding on a neck rope you've got riding on a neck rope supported with a horsemanship stick or a whip even for some people you've got riding on a neck rope using two horsemanship sticks or two small whips whatever you prefer and you've got um, riding with no neck rope using one or two sticks. And then you've got what I call naked. So that means no sticks, no neck rope and stuff like that. So first let's talk about the neck rope. The, the neck rope is what I call the safety net. So I ride a lot with a neck rope as a safety net. Basically to protect both my horse and myself from the environment. Should anything go wrong, I've at least got something there that should I need it. I might have Bob Hope and some hope of stopping my horse. And, of course, I have integrated patterns and communications where, you know, I have taught the horse that if I use the rope in this particular way, it really does mean stop. Um, and I share how to do that, actually, um, in my online training platform. Um, it's not something you can easily explain in a podcast or a comment and stuff like that but basically for me what the neck rope means is the more I use it the less the horse will hear it so neck rope riding for me should be that um, there's two ways to train it I can train the horse to you know I've got to make sure I use my body language first my seat aids first and then support using the neck rope or, and this is the way I prefer not to train, uh, but if you can understand, sometimes in the beginning especially, it can be a part of it, and that is using the neck rope as a primary aid. For me, the problem is using the neck rope as primary aid, unless the horse is trained highly in the discipline off of the seat and off of your leg communications. Um, the horses kind of can, and I've seen it happen, get dull to the neck rope they start to ignore it now you just have to think about this even happens with people with reins with bits in their horse's mouth so my gosh for sure if you are not careful and you're not on a journey of never-ending self-improvement of how to keep constantly improving the finer details this can happen to you so just be very careful that you're not overusing the neck rope now if we've got let's say for example a western trained horse um, that is trained using, for example, neck reining with the reins on the on the neck, then they're going to pick up on the neck rope quite easily. And as long as you take care of that, um, it's going to be fine. But if you've got a horse that has been pulled left and right, constantly steered through the reins with minimal communication coming from the actual body seat aids, 
um, the horse is going to get strong on the neck rope, period. All right. And that's where the, the sticks actually come in. Now, we are talking about sticks, any, you know, tool, even a lead rope used wrongly can hurt a horse. So don't be afraid when I use the term stick. I, I mentioned horsemanship stick because they are actually the better option because they are, you know, made of a good stick anyway is made of uh, plastic. It's quite durable, but a little bit slight bend in there. And if you if you tap your own leg with it, it doesn't hurt at all. And the, the stick is therefore meant to be to give kind of a, a driving pressure to the horse to guide them around and you've got variations how you can do that you can decide okay I'm going to train the horse on the neck rope and support with the stick when my horse doesn't understand me or if the horse is not listening stuff like that um or you can keep the the neck rope as a safety net but only learn how to ride with the stick so that means push the horse around in the end done well enough the two and two will and can come together where one day you can just throw away the sticks and throw away the the neck rope. But um, I see very far and few people that actually get that far. You know, if we've got a thousand horse riders, probably only one will get to the point where it's, you know, on completion or finished to the point that they would be confident to ride in a forest and stuff like that. So you can ride with one stick to drive the horse around. You can ride with two sticks. Um, if you're going to use a whip, um, then I I always recommend a shorter one so that you don't accident, accidentally uh, get them in the eye and stuff like that. Now, when we're talking about using the sticks to push the horses into a turn and stuff like that or to follow your focus on a straight line, there really should be um, phases in that because, again, just like the neck rope, if you keep overusing the sticks the horse is going to forget how to walk on its own two feet it's going to end up micromanaged every step it takes and and even still and i've seen this happen they can start to push back on the stick so if you ask them to turn left and the stick comes straight up and starts to push the horse left before your body has even asked for it let alone your focus the horses are going to get a bit pissed they're going to start to ignore it so Again, smart riding. Everything is always about smart riding. Body language first, good focus, understanding how your seat works, um, looking at your focus, your intention, your energy, all of that stuff. It's all a big bundle that must be thrown in there and mixed around to create a very tasty pie at the end of the day. What you don't want to be doing is putting salt, too much salt and pepper in there where it starts to get bitter and then the horse starts to either not listen or runs away from the pressure because that can happen too. Pressure is pressure. Horsemanship is all about teaching horses to not be afraid of pressure or pressures that they usually would associate with as scary and teaching them to be calm and confident about that. Oftentimes, horses, when they are afraid, the first thing they're going to do is push against pressure. And that can be you. It can be the end of the lead rope. It can be running in against um, a spook, anything like that. They're always going to push against pressure. So the more uh, understanding you have and can get better at teaching the horses to soften, yield into the pressure, the better everything gets. And of course, it's a much better life for the horse. But quite often, 
the journey to get there ain't so pretty, you know. And um, just like any training, really, that's where sometimes it gets a bad name because it's not quite working yet and the human quits and then blah de blah de blah and then they start to blame the training program, the method, the instructor, whatever, whatever, whatever. So quite oftentimes time in practice has not been enough. Now, I want to talk about two different riding styles in combination with bridleless riding. So you've got what I call riding the inside of the horse and you've got what I call riding the outside of the horse. So let's say this is an example of riding the outside of the horse. So if I'm turning left, I turn my eyes, my focus, slightly my chin, slightly my shoulders, slightly my ribs. And then as I turn my body, my outside knee, my right knee, will start to touch the horse. Therefore, my outside leg can actually encourage the turn of the horse. You can teach this and support this with the use of, for example, the sticks, the horsemanship sticks. That's riding the outside of the horse. Then you've got what I call riding the inside of the horse. So if I turn left, change my focus, change my vision, you know, my eyes where I'm looking, uh, change my shoulders, change my ribs, change my belly button. Now, instead of my outside leg making contact to the horse, my inside leg does. So I wrap the horse around my inside leg. It is very important to know the difference between the two and it's very important that you choose which one you are going to use because if one is very clear, you can use the other one to support. So if I'm turning left and my left leg is saying turn left and the shoulder is falling out a little bit or the horse can't quite make the turn or got distracted or isn't quite understanding what I mean yet, I can actually close my outside leg and support the direction of travel. And the same for vice versa. It's just that I only encourage you to, if you are using one, to really stick to it and use the other one to support it. Because otherwise, you know, it's like the difference between Dutch and German. Similar languages, but not really. Quite a bit of a different accent. And if you if you speak Dutch, but you don't really know German, you're going to get by, but after an hour you're going to get a headache and you're going to think, geez, I I ever really have to learn this language or just have a little bit of a break from it right now because I can't quite, can't quite understand. So horses are going to do the same thing. So crystal clear communications and understanding what you want. I prefer to ride the inside of the horse because it helps me in my dressage. The good old fashioned term of wrap the horse around your inside leg you know, I find a lot of dressage riders, especially ones that I've ridden in the past, actually don't really even know what that means and actually don't even know how to teach that to the horse. If I'm turning a sharp left, you know, almost on a sixpence, then of course my head is going to turn that far, my shoulders are going to turn quite far and my belly button is going to match that. So it is super clear to the horse where we're going. If I keep looking at the ground, like a meter in front of me, and worse still, keep looking at the horse, the horse is not going to be able to pick up on my intention and focus where the hell we're going. So it's very important that you are looking where you are going, especially when you're riding bridleless. 
having a plan, making sure your energy is good, making sure you're in a good place, not expecting things that are impossible. I talk about that a lot in my uh, one-to-one lessons with students and also in my training academy about it's very important that we should look at what is possible, what is impossible, and then ask ourselves, am I asking my horse the impossible or, or am I asking my horse the possible? If I'm working on something that's impossible, tap, 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 that's not good, um, but then I need to ask myself, do I know all of the ingredients how to get to the place where I can actually make it possible for my horse? If I do not, then quite literally I need to study and ask somebody who does know how. Another um, subject I would like to cover actually about bridleless riding is, of course, it's become a little bit of a phenomenal, phenomenon on um, social media the last 10 years. And you see uh, a lot of people really su- succeed with it. it. It's just quite simply blows my socks off of what some of these people can achieve. You're going to see some quite high-level dressage, which puts some Grand Prix riders to shame, where amateur riders are riding in ways that I can only dream of on a necro. Now, I get asked, yeah, maybe once a month or so or more if people see me riding um, bridleless. Well, of course, they ask, how do you do that? And I tell them, it's not something I can tell you in a five-minute conversation, but you would be welcome to have lessons for me or study my online training course, which I have, get good at neck rope riding. Um, but the one of the questions I get is, you know, do you train the horse first in the bridle and transfer that to the neck rope? That's the way I've done it, yeah. And uh, I would say a big majority of people especially those that are successful on social media that's the way they've probably done it too i can't be certain but there are also a few who are mastering it without a bridle first they are quite literally going the full whammy where they're asking the horse to perform high level dressage and gymnastics without using a bridle prior and i find that just absolutely fascinating and again that can also (laughs) link in now to what your views and vision actually really is of dressage you know if you're thinking you need to pull horses head in and drive them from behind into the hand and have a heavy contact and blah 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 you're you're not going to be able to see the pathway of how to do that, even on a neck rope, it's not going to happen. So if you're looking at gymnastics and the old way of dressage, the way the masters taught it, where they engage the hind, engage the mind, get the horse supple, teach them the lateral manoeuvres first, where in the first instance, when we ask the horse to collect the hind, especially in the travers, Um, that is already considered as a form of collection and engagement. And it is right there that I actually began my road um, and journey on the neck rope of seeking some form of collection on the neck rope from the traver. And, of course, we can perform quite a few of the errors and graces now on the the neck rope, me and my Lenny, but we're not anywhere near, near finished yet. And to be honest... 
I don't practice enough for it to become something super fabulous great but for sure and I know in my lifetime I'm going to make something great of that because it is so much fun. You've got way more to puzzle solve and you have to have the patience of a saint to be able to go through this process. But hey, it's teaching me patience. It's teaching me to look at myself deeply. And um, just recently, actually, I, I decided I'm going to start to share that stuff on social media as part of my social media plan this year. And that is also in order to not literally, uh, well, actually it is literally to grow my brand, Get Good With Horses, but also to share with people and inspire them and motivate them because that's the feedback I always get back. Wow, how do you do that? I would like to know how, blah, 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 blah. So bridalist riding, many ways to do it. If you ever see somebody who's riding naked... No bridle, no saddle, no neck rope, no sticks. And they are succeeding by galloping in a beach, on a beach, or, you know, doing great things. Wow. Just massive wow. And then, if you get the opportunity, ask them how. We do have some of the... Yeah, I don't want to say fakes, but in a sense it is. And that is, for example, horses that have patterns. Patterns drilled into them where um i don't know they gallop on a beach every day the same beach the same speed they stop at the same place and sometimes you'll see people get super confident they take off the bridle take off the saddle and gallop along the beach bareback and knowing full well that the horse is used to this pattern and that they're going to stop at some point now don't get me wrong i think that's awesome having the courage to do that amazing but for me Neck rope riding or stick riding or naked riding should look like this. I am able to mount and dismount with the horse standing still and understanding to help me by standing still. Sideways over to a mounting block, perhaps. Sideways over to where I'm standing to get on, perhaps. Is able to stand still until the moment I ask them to walk off. In walk, I am able to guide and communicate to the horse where I need to go, whether that's straight lines, using the patterns of an arena, riding on the inside hoof track, coming down the centre line, riding across diagonals, wherever that is, the horse hears me and knows, you know, that it's nothing new to them. Also riding 10 metre, 20 metre circles, um, slaloms, stuff like that. They understand it all. They can come to a halt at a given any moment's notice. They trot. They trot to walk. They walk to trot on any of those patterns and um, diagonals that I just spoke about. The same in canter. Is able to come from canter down to trot, down to walk, down to stop, down to back up. Is able to go from back up to trot. More advanced is able to go from back up, perhaps, into canter. Is able to open up the canter and come back down the transition within the canter and back up again, and the same within trot. You see my meaning? Basically, by going to a neck rope, or riding bridleless with sticks, whatever you choose, you are not losing anything. 
as a matter of fact, you are looking to gain it. You're gaining your horse's communication between the two of the two of you. You are broadening everything so that when you do ride, for example, with reins, it is so super easy. If you are having to pull on your horse's head and mouth to stop and to back up, you are not going to be successful on an on a for example a neck rope. Okay, but please know that if that is you and you are struggling and you don't know how to resolve that, by simply going on the journey of learning how to ride on a neck rope, the answers are going to start to unravel right in front of you. You're going to have to deal with them in order to learn to ride bridleless. And that is a good thing. Anything that gives resolution, solution to, to anything where you are struggling with horses, surely by surely, is a good thing. So bridleless riding, if it is something you dream of, please, please, please just think about, you know, at least learning the basics of what you need to get there. And who knows, you might become addicted and uh, it starts to set off as part of your journey. And for some people, it, set, it sets off and becomes their whole journey. For me, because um, because of my position and my job, um, I need to be all-rounded in all subjects. That's the truth of it. So I'm never going to be 100%, let's say, bridleless riding because I need to practice what I preach that's a promise I make to my students and to the horses but who knows maybe later in my years when I'm retired or whatever maybe bridleless riding does become my full thing who knows but for the most part I need to be good and rounded in all subjects so but where I am at let's say on my network riding I can do everything pretty much what I just told you I can also ride on the beach and ride in the forest and probably on a quiet road because I don't ride on busy roads. Uh, there's absolutely no need to anymore where my horse uh, lives. But I have it and I would have complete confidence that I have control. And that, my friends, is an absolutely wonderful feeling and a great gives you a great sense of achievement. And the horses do indeed smile just that little bit more they have a little bit of a glint in their eye, a much softer mouth, and seek more connection and understanding when you take off that bridle. You have been listening to Zoe's Horse Bites podcast. Powered by Get Good With Horses courses and online training academy by Zoe Code.